Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. That was my daughter, Becca, by the way. She didn't announce herself. She's, <laughs> she's interning here at the church. That's been a lot of fun for us. I'm not sure if it's been a lot of fun for her, but it's been a lot of fun for us. Telling her what to do all the time, not just at home. Anyway, um, we have this dollar car wash coming up. I just want to reiterate that. Um, it's, it's part of our campaign this year to go into all the world and make disciples. So this year has been about reaching out into our neighborhoods, into our places of work around the world um, and around the world. So if you're not doing anything Saturday afternoon, we would love to have you come up. Young adults, I'm talking to all of you. You guys should come uh, on Saturday and help us wash cars. We currently have seven people signed up. That's not a lot, right? And uh, so I feel like the wash on, walks off, whatever is going to, I'm going to be really sore come next Sunday. So I need some help to pull that off. So if you would, if you're open uh, on Sunday, Saturday afternoon, please sign up to help us out with that. So college football is about to start. Who's excited about that? Yeah. My parents just walked in. I know my dad's just going to be watching games all the time, so glad to have them here today. Um, well, when I moved from Michigan down to South Bend uh, to work at Memorial Hospital, um, I'd heard of this little school called Notre Dame, but I didn't know much about it. And, uh, and so I, I moved into town, and so this was the school's right up the street from the hospital. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'll get to know this this college football team, and and maybe I'll even be a fan of them, you know. Uh, I had gone, you know, to Western Michigan University, and uh, and so I was a kind of a Michigan fan, but not like a big fan. But I realized very early on that I couldn't be both a Michigan fan and a Notre Dame fan, right? You just, you can't do that. And so I had to kind of pick which one I was going to be. And I'm like, well, I kind of grew up in Michigan, so I should probably be a Michigan fan. Well, when I made that decision, everybody hated me in, in my, where I worked, you know, because they're all Notre Dame fans. And, uh, and so I had on my wall my diploma from college, uh, you know, Western Michigan University. I had it just up on my wall. And so they made a copy of a Notre Dame grad's uh, diploma and put my name on it, and they replaced my diploma <laughs> on the wall of my office. And they didn't tell me about it. So what they did for months, they would just come into my office and kind of look around and kind of smirk and laugh, and they would leave, you know? <laughs> And, uh, and eventually, somebody just felt so bad for me that they're making so much fun of me. They told me, hey, by the way, you might want to look up there. So I promptly took that down and ripped it up. Because you can't be a Michigan fan and a Notre Dame fan, right? Can I get an amen, right? You just can't. You can't be a fan of both. Well, I've heard of some of these rivalries. I've heard that you cannot be an IU fan and a Purdue fan. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Now, I hear you can go to the same church, but you can't sit by each other. That's what I hear. Um, but yeah, you can't be a fan of both of those, or you can't be a Philadelphia Eagles fan and a Dallas Cowboys fan. You know, that's true. Those two teams hate each other. Uh, Chicago Cubs have a rivalry. Did you know that? St. Louis Cardinals. 
Not that anyone here would be a St. Louis Cardinals fan, but you can't be a Cubs fan and a Cardinals fan. I've heard that you can't like Coke and Pepsi, right? You just got to pick one of those as well. Got to either be a Coke fan. Matt, what are you? Pepsi. Pepsi all day, right? All day. Um, I've, uh, I've experienced this one. You can't be a vegan and a deer hunter. Those two don't go together, right? It's got to you pick one or the other. And this is for my kids. You, I hear you can't be a Marvel Comics fan and a DC Comics fan. You got to pick a world, a universe, right? Got to pick a universe, and that's kind of where you stay. Well, in life, there are things in life where you got to pick one or the other, right? You, you can either be this or you can be that. Uh, they are diametrically opposed to one another. So this is true in life. But you know what? It's also true in our spiritual walk as well. Uh, the disciple John said in his book, 1 John, he says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. John said, you can either love the world or you can love God. You can't love both. And Scripture is just full of statements like that where you can either choose God or you can choose something else in this world. Well, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, has one of those statements once again. And he's talking about money. And he says you can either be mastered by God or you can be mastered by money. And it's a difficult conversation. And we're going to have that conversation today. Uh, because we're in this series called Counterculture, the sermon that changed everything. It's uh, on Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. This has been our summer study is to go through chapters 5, 6, and 7. And Rick, it's just been tough, hasn't it? It's, it's been in-your-face messages the whole time. And, uh, and today is, again, one of those in-your-face messages about money. And, and I know that churches get a bad name because they talk about, they've been known to talk about money all the time. And, uh, and so, you know, we try not to be a church that talks about money every week, but there are those times when we're going through what Jesus had to say or what the scripture has to say and money comes up. In fact, money is mentioned hundreds of times throughout scripture because it's a difficult topic. It's a difficult topic. And nothing, I think, shows what you're paying attention to more than where your money goes. Isn't that true? You know, if you look in your checkbook, you'll know what's most important to you. Not that any of you have checkbooks anymore. So you look at your bank statement, maybe. You look at your online account. Then you might know. So anyway, we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, last week, though, just a reminder, Pastor Matt had a message called The Eye Test, Being Sensible with Our Sight. And if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's online. Um, we were out of town last week, and so I got to watch that online, and Matt did a great job. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. You can turn there in your Bibles if you like. We'll also have it up on the screen. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let me, let me read it again. It's just one verse. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, 
or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So today's message is titled Financial Freedom, Mastering Our Money. So I'm going to be talking about ways that we can master our money instead of having our money master us. And I'll give you a couple of points that you can fill in on your handout. Uh, But first, let me pray. So God, we come to you and thank you for your Holy Spirit that speaks to our hearts and minds. Jesus, you said that it was better for you to leave the disciples and go to heaven than to stay because you were going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is your gift to us. It's your presence here on this planet. So we thank you for that. And the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would have your way today, that you would guide me as I share uh, this message, and that you would open up our hearts and minds to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here's your first fill-in. We can all be masters of our money when we honestly evaluate ourselves. Honestly evaluate ourselves. The verse starts out, no one can serve two masters. Now, I would say that not many of us would say that money masters us, right? We wouldn't say that money masters us. Um, But as a start, we have to be open to admitting that it might, right? It might have a place higher in our hearts than what we think than what we think it is. So um, Alcoholics Anonymous always starts out when they introduce themselves, they say, my name is so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic. They do that. Part of the reason they do that is to just make sure everybody knows we're on the same playing field, right? That we're all equal here. But the other reason is just to simply admit that we have a problem. Because if we're going to solve this problem, we first have to admit that we have a problem. So Jesus is talking about money mastering us. And so I think what we need to do, first of all, is take a look inward and say, does money have any control of our lives? Is money in a place of telling us what to do and where to go and and what's most important in our lives? So, I have this way. We're going to walk through four different points here. Um, You know, you've heard the saying, you know, you're a whatever if this is true, you know, that kind of a thing. So um, I was just in California. So just to kind of warm us up to that idea, I had three points of, you know, you might be from California if there's a fire off the highway and no one is worried or surprised. That's just normal over there. It's strange here, uh, but it's normal there. That uh, you, you melt chapstick more often than you lose it. I know my wife is always looking for her chapstick, but it's never like a gooey mess. That happens a lot in California. Um, or your budget includes renewing your annual Disney pass. I know that's in my kids' budget. I just know. That's why I had to put that one in there. Um, but now just to make it fair, let's talk about Indiana for a moment. You know you might be from Indiana if you drink pop instead of soda, right? Anybody drink soda? I mean, I'm sorry for you guys. It's pop. It's pop. All right. You don't need to look up what cow tipping means. We just know that, right? We don't have to look it up on our phones. Um, And your local ice cream shop is closed from September to May. So sad when they close those down, isn't it? All right, so... So along those lines, so we have this, you might be mastered by money if, all right? I'm just going to walk through some of these. You might be mastered by money if 
we wouldn't describe ourselves as a cheerful giver. Oh, let's start there, okay? Um, 2, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, God pretty clearly says throughout Scripture that we are supposed to give a tithe, 10% of our money, we're supposed to give it away. All right, And many of you are tithers. Okay, and so you might be thinking, like I was as I was putting this message together, well, I tithe God, so, you know, money doesn't master me. But the question is, do you tithe or do you give cheerfully? That's like a different level, isn't it? Do you give out of obligation because you were taught to do it, or do you do it joyfully? Uh, Recently... I had an opportunity to help a friend of mine with some money, and he was, he was needing some finances, and it wasn't a lot. And uh, so I felt like I should do this. I should give him you know, some money. And, uh, and when I was getting ready to give it, God told me, he said, hey, I want you to give this out of your spending money. Because Rose and I have this budget set up, and we actually set aside money uh, to give away as charity, like beyond the tithe, when people are in need, you know, if they're going on a mission trip or their tire gets flat or whatever. And so we have this fun over here, and, and God said, no, no, I don't want you to use that, because that's actually really easy to give out of, because it's, it's already set aside. He's like, I want you to give it out of your uh, Starbucks fund, you know, out of your going out to eat fund. I'm like, ouch, that, <laughs> that hurts. And, and so, you know, I've, I've learned over time that if God asks me to do something, I should do it, you know. That's part of being a follower of Jesus, right? Um, but So I did. I gave anyway, but cheerful. I wouldn't describe myself as cheerful <laughs> in the midst of it. And so as I'm putting this message together, that was a few weeks ago. As I was putting this message together, Jesus reminded me of that time. And I'm like, oh, man. Money has a hold on me more than I thought, right? So God wants us to be generous, but he wants us to cheerfully give our money away. And when we have an opportunity to be generous, is to cheerfully go, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, and thank you, Lord, for the finances to meet that opportunity. And when we... You know, there's a couple ways we can go about that. We can either say, no, I'm going to keep my money. Well, you know, money has a hold on us. Or we do it begrudgingly. Either one of those, we have to wonder what kind of hold does money have on us. So that's, that's our first point. We might be mastered by money if we, what did I say? Whatever I said. <laughs> yeah, that one. So we're not... What is it? Put it up there. I can't remember what it is. Cheerful. cheerful. Somebody being cheerful. There we go. All right. Here's the second one. <laughs> Rose has been giving me a hard time. She says, you need to take vitamins because you can't remember anything anymore. I'm like, no, I remember enough. You can't remember my point. You know, it's what I just said. I think I'm blushing. Woo. It's hot in here. 
All right, here's number two. We might be mastered by money if we don't consistently take a day off. All right, consistently take a day off. Uh, Exodus 20 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. Now, guys, this is becoming increasingly difficult in our society. Um, many, many years ago when I was growing up, I mean, restaurants weren't open, stores weren't open, factories didn't work. And so it was really easy to take a day off because culture took a day off on Sundays. And most of the time, even on Saturdays. But in our culture and our society today, I mean, people are, I mean, companies and businesses and stores and restaurants are open seven days a week. Some of them are 24 hours a day. But God has called us to take a weekly Sabbath, right? He's called us to do that. And if we can't take a weekly Sabbath because our job is scheduling us and we're afraid to lose our job or, you know, we're, we're, we're not fighting for that, um, money might have a hold on us. Money might have a hold on us. Because remember, God is here. Our job, our boss, our employer is here, right? And so when we say no to God's command to take a Sabbath and say yes to our employer to work seven days a week, then we're letting our employer, our resources for our finances be Lord of our lives. Now, I'm not saying that, that occasionally this might happen. I'm not talking about that. But there are, you know, those of us that know, oh man, I consistently am working six, seven days a week. I'm not taking a, a weekly Sabbath, and God has called us to do that. Uh, I've also seen a trend where people are um, working two jobs. And so they are working Monday through Friday, and then they have their weekend job, and they're working Saturdays and Sundays to get ahead. That's the idea. Is I just want to get ahead. And so if you're not able or willing, because some of you are self-employed, and so there's that temptation of, boy, I can work Saturday. I can work Sunday. I can work, I can work because I can, you know, it's my job. I just would tell you, don't let money master you. Take a day off. God has called us to take a day off. Proverbs 15 16 says, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. It's better to fear the Lord, take a day off, than to have a big bank account. All right? Now, by the way, um, God blesses those who take a day off. Just look at Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> I saw a uh, recent article where they're doing the chicken sandwich comparison. You know, they're like, oh, what's the best chicken sandwich? They didn't even include Chick-fil-A in it. You know, it's like they're running for second place is all they were doing is just seeing which is the best chicken sandwich. Because if you go to Chick-fil-A, you know, right, they're only open six days a week, but their, their drive through line is backed up. Um, Hobby Lobby over here, they're not open on Sundays either. It's the only store still available over at Concord Mall, right? I mean, God is blessing that store. And I know some farmers as well who consistently do not work on Sundays. And, and, and you know, that's a hard thing to do when you're, you know, during the planting season or during the harvest. Now, they might be going out in the fields at 12.01 midnight. I mean, they, that could be happening on Sunday night, Monday morning. But they will take the Sabbath off, and God blesses them for it. 
Guys, God will bless you for honoring his commands. And if you can't do it, you might be mastered by money. All right, here's the next one. You might be mastered by money if, we might be mastered by money if our debt load keeps us in a job we hate. And just think about that. I mean, you might be in a job that you really hate and you don't like it at all, but because you have so much debt and so many bills, changing jobs isn't even an option. Isn't even an option. Scripture says, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, this isn't a command, by the way. This isn't a command in Scripture. You're not sinning if you have a loan, if you have a credit card. But Proverbs is all about wisdom. And, there, and it's just a simple statement saying, it's best to not be in debt to anyone. It's best to try to live your life out of debt. Um, Dave Ramsey has a book called The Total Money Makeover. And if you haven't read that book yet, I would encourage you to do it. Uh, he also has these classes called Financial Freedom. Uh, my wife and I, we've done that. And, uh, and I'll just tell you the main theme of his book and his class is don't go into debt. And if you're in debt, get out of debt. Now, what is debt, by the way? Debt is buying something, having something before you can afford it. That's really all it is. So you're borrowing somebody else's money to pay for something that you want now because you can't afford it now. And you're going to pay somebody else back with interest because you want it now. And so, again, Dave Ramsey does a great job of explaining all of that and giving you ways to get out of debt. Because if you're in debt, you're a slave to the lender. And you may be stuck in a job that you hate, but you can't get out of it. You can't get out of it because you have so many, so many bills. And God would want you to not be managed by your money, right? To be free to make those kinds of decisions. I've also seen where people don't quit their jobs. They, they, they work a job that they hate because they make too much money. You ever seen that? Or maybe that's you. So you might be in a job that you really don't like at all. But you make so much money, you couldn't make that much money somewhere else. And how would you say it's not worth it? It's not worth it. Don't let that check, you know, that paycheck coming in decide what you're going to do those 40 or 50 hours a week. And you don't want to be miserable the rest of your life and be a slave to that paycheck. Um, King Solomon was the wisest and richest man in history. So he had all the money and wealth and things that one could ever imagine. And at the end of his life, he, he wrote this book called Ecclesiastes. It's kind of a depressing book, so it's a, run, it's, a, it's a rainy afternoon. You just sit at home. You can read that and drink some coffee. Um, but he realized, he had all of this, but he realized money, it's not all about money. It's not about how much money you have. He says this in chapter 5, verse 18 of his book. This is what I have observed to be good, that it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life God has given them, for this is their lot. To find satisfaction in their toilsome labor. Now, we live in an incredible time 
right now where anyone who wants to work can work. You know, this having this kind of a sermon, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, might have been scary because someone might have said, I hate my job. My pastor told me to quit, so I quit. And now I'm homeless. I've lost my job, <laughs> lost my dog, lost my Anyway, so, um, but that's really not the case anymore. So if you're in a job that's requiring you to work six, seven days a week, it's a job that you hate. If it's a job that where you're making a lot of money, you know, but at the end of the day, guys, do a job that you love. Do a job that lets you be a Christian first. Um, I read an article this past week of these, I don't know, like four or eight nurses that were, that were suing their hospital because the hospital forced them to assist with abortions. And I was thinking about that. I'm going, oh, that hospital is such a terrible thing. And then I thought more about it. I said, wait, wait, wait. We're all voluntarily employed. Those nurses didn't have to. No one put a gun to their head and said, you have to help with this abortion. Now, there might have been a culture that, you know, they felt manipulated and, and made to do it. But at the end of the day, I'm guessing they, they didn't have, they didn't want to lose their job. And that's why they assisted with the abortion. We should be in a place, guys, where our job is not the most important thing in our lives. You know, that paycheck's not the most important. God will take care of us no matter what. So if we're in a job we hate, um, you know, money might be mastering us. Here's the last one of those four descriptors. We might be mastered by money if we spend every penny we make. If we spend every penny we make. So if we can't help, if we get a paycheck and we just, it's, it's all gone, um, we might be mastered by money and what money can do for us. It's good to save some of that money. It's good to not spend it all. Proverbs 21.20 says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. And just think about that image is, you know, a wise person saves for a rainy day, and an unwise person just spends it all, just spends it all. I've taught my kids this. I don't know how well they're following it, uh, but this idea that you give 10% to God and then you give 10% to your future. So, you know, you should be saving 10% of your, your income uh, for your future, whether it's retirement or maybe it's for a home or a car or whatever, but you're just consistently giving 10% now um, to yourself in the future. Dave Ramsey would say that that should be 15%. But this idea that we should be living on 75 to 80% of our paycheck, you know, whatever comes in weekly, that's what we should be living on. And if we're spending 100 of it, 100% of it, or maybe we're spending 110% because we're actually going on spending credit card debt uh, as well. See, then we might be mastered by money. We might be mastered by money. So those are just four ways to kind of do this self-evaluation and go, where am I at? Does money have more of a hold on me than what I thought? And for me, it was, it was eye-opening, and I had to spend some time with God and talk about it. All right, so that's, that's the first point. We can all be masters of our money when we honestly evaluate ourselves. Here's the second one. We can all be masters of our money when we make the choice. 
when we make the choice. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and money. So God's making it pretty clear. We have to, a choice to make. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve money. You can't do both of them. Reminding me of the song by Bob Dylan, Serve Somebody. You guys remember that one? A few of you? But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. If I could sing, I'd be singing this right now. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And it's just true. When it comes to money, we're going to have choices to make. We're going to have choices to make. And we need to choose God each and every time. There's a story in the New Testament of a young man. He was known as the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. I want to read this story because here is a man. He was a good, righteous man, and he was faced with a decision. Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve money? So starting with verse 17, chapter 10 of the book of Mark, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. So this, this young man was, was incredibly righteous. And he said he had kept these commandments his whole life since he was a young boy. And Jesus didn't call him out like he did the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, no, that's not true. No, he looked at him and he loved him. The only other person that I can recall, other disciple that Jesus said he loved like that was John, you know? The disciple. So he looked at this rich young ruler and he says, and he loved him and he says, okay, there's only one thing. I think your money has a hold on you. I think your money is mastering you. So here's the deal. If you want to follow me, I'm going to make you make a choice. You're going to have to choose me or choose your money. So if you want to choose me, if you want to follow me, take all that you have, sell it and give it away to the poor and come follow me. And when faced with that decision, this young man, righteous young man, chose his money. How sad is that? How sad is that? Now, thankfully, God doesn't come to us every day and say, hey, take everything you have, sell it, and give it to the poor. But I do believe that God does come to us frequently and say, hey, I, I want you to choose me over this money. You know, for some of us, that's just this idea of tithing. You know, God's saying, I want you to choose me over 10% of your income. Others of us who may be tithing, he's saying, 
I want you to choose me over giving some of that money to the poor or helping a missions opportunity or something like that. But I would say frequently, God is asking us to make that choice. And if money is not mastering us, then we will gratefully and joyfully give towards that. But if it is mastering us, if money is mastering us, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle for each one of us. Um, Let's compare his response to Elisha's response. So Elisha uh, was a farmer. He was just working in a field, and he's just plowing ahead, and uh, he had a couple of oxen. And uh, the prophet Elijah comes up to him, throws his cloak around him, which was a way of calling him to be his disciple. Basically, it was the same kind of call. He says, come follow me, give up everything and come follow me. And so Elisha had to make that same decision. So in verse 21 of 1 Kings chapter 19, here's Elisha's response. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. So Elijah called him and said, will you come follow me? And he did. And he got rid of his plowing equipment. He killed his ox. He gave all of the meat away. And he basically had nothing. And he went to follow Elijah. And here's the deal. Elisha became a huge, powerful prophet of God. And we know his name. The rich young ruler, we don't even know his name. We don't know anything about him. We have these choices to make every day. Are we going to prioritize God over our income? Are we going to give God the place in our lives that's most important? That if he came to us today and said, sell all you have and give it to the poor, that we would say yes. Now, I'll tell you, that's a hard, hard question, right? When, um, when I was working at the hospital, God called me into full-time ministry. And, and so Rose and I uh, were struggling with that. Now, we didn't have to sell all we had. I mean, it wasn't like that. Uh, But we were going to take a pay cut in the end. And so it shouldn't have probably been this hard, but it was really a hard conversation. And I made a pros and cons list, and and I saw all the pros of going into full-time ministry, and it was like, you know, I was going to be able to maybe pray with people, go on mission trips, you know, just all this good stuff that God was going to do. And then I looked over at the, the cons list, and it was all money-related. I wouldn't have as much vacation. I wouldn't have as much pay. We couldn't go out to eat as much. You know, these kinds of things. And, and I remember looking at the two lists. By the way, the cons list was really long, <laughs> just so you know. And the pros list was by here. And uh, I remember going, Lord, this isn't fair. Because if I, as I look at these, this one is God and this one is money. I mean, that's really what I'm the choice that I have. And if I, if I look at it that way, I have no other choice but to choose you. And it took us four months of prayer and, and there was fasting and counsel. And we both came to the same conclusion. We're going to choose God. 
no matter the cost. Now, I will tell you, it didn't cost us anything. God has met every single need that we've had. We've still gone on vacation. We still go out to eat, you know, all those things. God blesses us all the way. Now, here's just a few scriptures. Guys, we just have to understand that God will bless us when we give up our finances. Proverbs 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Guys, this is a promise. God will do that. He will take care of you. Matthew chapter 6 says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All these things, food and drink and clothing, he'll take care of you. And then Deuteronomy chapter 28, starting with verse 1, says this, If you fully obey the Lord your God, and carefully follow all of his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And then there's a list of blessings that God has for us. But down to verse 12, it says, The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. Guys, we can trust God. He will bless us. So if he is calling you to be sacrificial when it comes to the area of finances, you can trust him. You can trust him. Here's your last feeling. Obeying God with our money is a better investment than Zoom in 2020. Zoom's a video conferencing program for those of you. They may, the stock went up a lot in 2020. So we can all be masters of our money when we honestly evaluate ourselves and we make the choice. I'm going to invite Will to come up here. Uh, he's going to close us out with a song called Sparrows, which just talks about God's faithfulness in our lives. Let's all stand. Let me pray. God, I, I just thank you for blessing me and my wife and our family financially, God. And God, I thank you for blessing our church family as well. God, I'm grateful that we live in a country where we don't have to worry really about where that next meal is going to come. You've blessed us tremendously. But we can rely on society and rely on our finances and rely on our job uh, much more than we rely on you. And, and at the end of the day, God, you want us to choose you and to rely on you more. So Lord, as we sing this song, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts and minds, Father. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.